Support for the game podcast is brought to you by StarCityGames.com, the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies and home for the best strategy content on the web. If you would like to support the game podcast, feel free to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the G-A-M podcast. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Game Podcast. This is a very special, momentous occasion. We have actually reached episode 100, and I am very, very honored to uh, welcome a special guest today. We have uh, my co-host, Brian, the Inquisitor Exarch Gottlieb, but also the reigning world champion, Javier Dominguez. Hello. Uh, hello, everyone. It's an honor for me being here, so I hope you enjoy the this Hanu podcast. Brian, Inquisitor Exarch, are, are, are we going deep this week? Is that the plan? Yeah, man. Like I said on our last episode, we, this is our guest week. We just wrapped up an episode with Josh Cho, and now I'm super excited to have the chance to talk to the world champion of Magic the Gathering. That's an incredible achievement, Javier. I hope you wear that badge with a tremendous amount of pride, and I'm super excited you're coming on and talking to us and our, our listeners this week. Thank you. So Javier, what's what is the coolest thing that's happened since Worlds? Like, ha- has your life changed a lot since then? And uh, certainly, like Brian mentioned, I mean, I I hope that you are just incredibly proud and ecstatic of this incredible achievement. Well, uh, I'm obviously like super happy about the achievement, but it's just like still I cannot really believe it. Like to me, I'm just like me. I'm just Javier. I'm just keeping playing Magic. Um, the coolest thing that happened to me was definitely my friends and family coming uh, to the airport when I got home, you know, like uh, to receive me with a... <laughs> my life has been pretty similar. Like I obviously got a lot of uh, messages, which I'm really grateful for. But after some weeks, I'm just like back to doing what I've been doing the last months, years, like just playing Magic. I mean, the biggest change is probably Magic Arena, to be fair. Like, <laughs> I've been playing the the new problem quite a bit. More or less, my Magic routine it, has been going, like, more or less the same. So I will say, like, I mean, I'm obviously happier with Magic, and I'm pretty sure, like, the happiness of this is going to last a lot, but my day-by-day is definitely the same. But sometimes I'm just, like, doing random things, like maybe walking in the street, and it comes to me like, oh, I won't wow. And then <laughs> Well, good, man. I mean, if if you ever start to forget or anything like that, or it starts to feel less special, just let me know and I'll be sure to to remind you how great you are. <laughs> Thank you. So you're the Magic World champion, but you, you've also had a lot of success in other games, uh, specifically poker and hearthstone, at least for the ones that I know of. And uh, what 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 is it about magic that keeps you playing? Well, I don't really know at this point. Like, I know I've been playing from Magic for so long. Like, I started playing, like, with 14 or 15 years. I guess it's because it never changes, but Hearthstone, I think it's also like that. So I'm not really sure. I think it's a mix of everything. The people, the dynamics of the game, 
uh, the game itself, which is like within the same rules, you can have many games, so it's very hard to get bored of Magic. Yeah, I just always felt like I was in some way attached to Magic. Like there was a for a point for some years where I just literally stopped playing Magic. Like I will play like one event per year, so I would keep my TCI, and I would be like one draft in a local store. But I will still follow the game. Like I remember watching all the PTs whenever I could. I remember like even reading ACG articles. Like even though I wasn't getting most of like what the people were saying, like <laughs> I was. Yeah, I remember like reading about the uh, you know the planeswalkers, Elspeth, and this stuff. And I wasn't playing Magic, so it was a little bit like hard for me to figure out like how good they were in actual gameplay. <laughs> but I just follow them like whenever. I don't know how people watch sports a lot, but because I'm not really a sports guy, but I like to think that I follow Magic the way a lot of people watch sports. Like I watch it whenever I could, or I just read articles when I had like spare time, but it not, it's not like now where I, where I just like read articles every day. I just to do like, I don't know, traveling or whatever. So yeah, never like completely disconnected about Magic, even though when I wasn't playing. So maybe, I don't know, <laughs> like the game has something that keeps me like uh, wanting to know more about it and it never ends. So I think that's probably why. Is that with magic specific or uh, even, you know, things like Hearthstone or poker, like these other games that you've played, like do you still follow those games too when you can or what's the deal? Not much. Like I kind of followed poker for a while, but mostly because I had a lot of friends doing well. I wasn't following the poker because of poker. It was more about like following my friends. So I will say, no, it doesn't go the other way around. Yeah, I think it, it just only happened with Magic. Like, I will just go jumping into an article that said uh, something about the matchup I didn't even know. So, yeah, that doesn't happen with <laughs> other games. <laughs> well, what, why were you not playing Magic during those times? Like, what, what else were you doing to occupy your time? So, basically, when I was playing poker, mostly, I was trying to play, like, the higher occult. I was playing, like, decently uh, tough games. So, I realized, like, I couldn't play two games at the same time because I will have to split the time between the games. I work when I had to choose because... So I enjoyed more playing Magic than playing poker. Um, poker was my job at the time. So I just realized like I had to dedicate all my gaming time to one game. So that's what I did. I just felt like I had to make the choice if I wanted to see how far I could get in the poker world. So while I was playing Hearthstone, I was playing Magic at the same time. So, like, I only played poker, like, I only quit Magic for playing poker, but when I've gone back to Hearthstone, I, like, I actually got to a point where I was playing both games, and at the end, I chose Magic because I just enjoyed it much more. Like, the Magic tournaments, they are, like, such a unique experience for me. Yeah, my experience mirrors yours almost exactly, Javier. I, I stopped playing Magic during the period I was playing poker because I felt like I needed to focus very hard on succeeding at that, and, you know... Again, the same way you did, I still would check in on SCG articles from time to time. Something about magic doesn't let you go. And I remember having the experience of just being like, well, I don't really enjoy playing poker all that much anymore, but magic's still there. And like that's where I went to get my competitive fix when I stepped away from poker. Uh, and that's how I ended up back in the game, like kind of full bore and, and really diving deep into it. So it's funny to see our experiences mirror each other there. When did you get started with poker, by the way? How long have you been playing poker? Well, I played for quite a bit. I'm not really sure like exactly which year, but I think it was like around 11 years ago. So okay. about from my 20s to my 25 or something. Yeah. So I think I think my last major event, like my last PT, was Time Hospital, and I already like 
I went there without like testing much, like only on holidays because I think it was in Japan. <laughs> so I think since then, basically after Time Spiral, like the set before Time Spiral, which was like Gold Sub, I think, or around that age, yeah, that's when I stopped playing Magic to, for, to poker. Gotcha. Anyway, what, so what kept you playing Magic? Do you know the reason? Because you asked, you guys asked me the reason, and I don't really can tell a single reason. So for me, it's a combination of the people and the game itself. I, I really like the fact that Magic is just this puzzle that doesn't get solved. And I can I can spend countless hours working on Magic and trying to figure out, you know, the right sideboard strategy and what deck to play and things like that. And it's like, it feels like I just never figure it out. So it just it always gives me something for my brain to be working on. Does that relate to your experience at all? or? Absolutely. The thing you said reminds me when I'm like struggling the day before a tournament, like seeing my cyborg, which has 16 cards, and I'm like really struggling to decide which card to put. And these kind of things are like something very unique from, from Magic, this uh, very special part for me. So I like the, I also like that passing part a lot. And about the people, I really enjoy going to tournaments with people. Inside the tournament, sometimes I'm a little bit like a part. Like, I don't really talk a lot between rounds. But, like, before the tournament starts and after the tournament starts, like, the whole trip with friends, that's also something I really missed a lot. When I was playing, like, poker tournaments or Hearthstone tournaments, that's a part I really uh, missed a lot from, like, Magic. Because in Magic, you're, like, playing a tournament, you're out, and you're just maybe playing a draft with your friends or even playing random games, standard games, modern games, whatever. And maybe you are actually at that point trying to solve the next tournament. There's always a next tournament. It doesn't matter if you win the tournament, there's always another game to play. And that's, you know, like something else special for Magic. Right. So why why have you played so many different games? Like what what motivates you to play poker and hearthstone and magic and all these other things like is it certain aspects about each game or are you trying to be like the best gamer in the world or what what is your major motivation behind this i think the bigger motivation i have uh, on those games and also like pretty much in all the games i play is trying to learn them like i really enjoy trying to understand what's going on behind a game like what's actually happening by understanding the physics of the game like every game is unique in a way so I really enjoy the process of like figuring out what the game about, like in terms of like strategy. All those three games have this in common, and it's like it's very hard to learn to play well those games. It's very hard. Both three games are very hard to understand. So yeah, that's what I like about them. And I'm not really trying to bet be the best in the world. That's not something I really like chase. It's more like I try to be the best I can be. That's all I try to do because I don't really think it's like very good to compare yourself to others when it comes out to gold. Like you might be in a situation where you can or not have those golds, and also like this kind of the comparison. Like, what does it mean to be the best? Best of what? Because there's like a lot of uh, aspects a player has, and I'm pretty sure no one can be the best in all the aspects at the same time. Anyway, I want to be the best player I can be, but that's it. I'm on. I don't need to feel like I'm the best. And I don't think I'm the best anyway. So, <laughs> Well, how do you define that for yourself? I mean, at what point do you feel satisfied with any of the games that you've played in the past? Or like, have you ever felt satisfied that you have actually become the best that you can be? I think like 
what is a hard question? <laughs> I think, <laughs> so my mom used to tell to me, whenever you try your best, you should not expect more of you. Like, if you really do as much as you can, then that's fine. I actually felt that a little bit on poker. Like, whenever, like, I got to a point where I was playing, like, heads-up variants against, like, very good players, and I would just spend, like, 14 to 15 hours, like, studying and playing the game. And I just, like, could go, like, with full poker without doing anything else, literally anything else, which is, like, not healthy. And I just felt like I was just hitting my head with a wall because those guys were just better than me, even though I was, like, trying, like, everything I physically could, even, you know, like, reaching people to learn and this stuff. So I kind of felt a little bit like that. But the lesson that I learned after that was, like, the magic is even when you feel like that, there's probably more things you can do. Like, I also also felt like that a little bit when I was, like, I think 2014. I was dancing between silver and gold. I tried my best for a year and then missed gold for, like, two points. And I, I just felt like I was playing a lot. I was trying everything I could. But then I realized, like, there was always a lot more to learn. There's always more space to, to grow. Um, yeah, so I felt a little bit like that too, but that was when actually I started playing Magic much better, when I started like opening myself to learn more from more people. And that's what I will advise for anyone feeling like that. Like, if you feel you have hit your like best level, best Magic level, there's probably more to explore anyway, but maybe it requires like searching for another direction. Maybe other people or help or whatever. Can you think of anything specifically you kind of picked up in that time frame? Any aspects of your game that you really focused in on? Be it, you know, better sideboard planning or if you wanted to become a better deck builder, just anything in your process that specifically changed in that 2014, 2015 time period? Well, the, the most important thing was just assuming I was much worse than what I thought at playing Limited. Like, I just assume for a second like I was completely useless playing limited which I wasn't completely useless but they assumed like okay let's say I have to start for zero so I pretty much pretended to start from zero and try to compare like how will I approach that on poker which often was like brute force so I started being like a brute force drafting that was about like Amonkhet where I just started drafting like a lot I think I drafted more Amonkhet than any other set before any other block probably <laughs> before in my life so yeah i think limited was a big uh, a big thing to me like i think it was there was one year where it was like the the second uh, player with less points in the whole circuit that played for lpts like i think it went zero three one two one two zero three or something like that so that definitely helped me to search in the draft direction <laughs> and i also tried to work a lot on deck selection i think deck selection is something very important and I think in the past, I'm, I follow maybe too much the way of like being, I don't want to say cool, but like trying to avoid playing the best deck and this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know the correct word for that, but sometimes I just step out of the best deck path because of, you know, I just felt like I wanted to do that. And I just kept to try to play my best deck after that. Like it maybe it wasn't the best deck in the format for other people, but at least it would be like the best deck for me. That's That was my new goal after that. I yell at Brian a lot for mm. <laughs> that that mentality. Where it's like, okay, I'm all about Golgari until Golgari is cool, and then I'm not playing Golgari anymore. Yes, that's that's the thing. 
Right. We, we are very uh, convincing animals. We can talk ourselves out of a lot of things that just the week before we're talking ourselves into. And I'm like, I'm fairly conscious when I'm doing it too. Like I, I can hear my own bullshit basically. And uh, it, it still manages to push me off the path a lot of the time. So it, it's, it's certainly eye-opening to hear that's where you credit a lot of your growth from is just getting away from that trap. Yeah, that trap is very dangerous. <laughs> is there anything that you did that was special when you were drafting Amoncat a lot? I mean, people talk about practice and how, you know, maybe you should practice more or whatever, but like, what does, what does good practice actually look like to you, especially if you're, you're coming at it from ground zero, basically, where you're saying like, I need to relearn everything about limited. Like, how do you approach that other than just playing a bunch of games? So what I did, like I, there was a time where I actually got into a new testing team, but that's not the what changed there. What changed there was like I started to watch every single draft I made. So the replays, I tried to review the replays for, with friends. I also will ask my friends, like all the friends I had that draft that time, I would just ask them for like, hey, can you send me the draft you have done so I can maybe learn a little bit of that. So I will just see a lot of drafts every day. Like I will review their drafts, my drafts, ask them to review my drafts. So I will do a lot of work in that regard. And I will also like, uh, whenever I have a little bit more of time, I will review the games itself. Like I will probably, yeah, I think the most drafts I played in Avoncat, after like one week, I will just review the most of them. Like obviously in a fast way, but just trying to stop the game in the spots where like there was a critical block or attack where maybe I could have played better. And doing that for enough games, made me like better I don't, I don't really know at which point it started becoming better for me but i need like i felt like i needed to do everything i could just so i could accidentally click the right key. like i don't know if it was a review in the draft or reviewing the games or playing a lot okay but i felt like if i did everything at the same time then and some of those will make me a better player so that's what i did i feel like for us as content creators that sort of stuff would be very helpful. Like imagine if while you were doing that during Amonkhet, you actually just made a bunch of articles about those situations that you came across, how they were difficult, why, what your friends thought you should do, what you did and what you think is correct and stuff like that. I think that would be really helpful for a lot of people. So that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a, that could be a good tool, but I think like it might get boring after a while. I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I would love to see this kind of content because I'm all for. Uh, I like a lot of theory spots. Like, I like to analyze complicated situations. And I think they're very good for for learning. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like because it works better for limited, but it doesn't work that well for constructed because the constructed rules like change more. Like, limited rules are the same every set. I mean, yeah, a set has the same rules for like three months. But yeah, I mean, I think that will be definitely something worth exploring for sure. Well, you you mentioned that you've been playing for a long time. And I think to a lot of people, they probably think that you just kind of came out of nowhere because there there was that period where you weren't playing very much. And the, the first time I heard your name was at Pro Tour Columbus in 2005 in regards to Cephalid Breakfast. And you were even playing the Pro Tour for a couple of years before that. So like, how did you get from aspiring pro tour player to, to being the world champion, especially after like taking breaks and focusing on all these long games, like or on all these different games, like basically tell me your story. What happened? How did you get here? 
So I started playing, yeah, my first city was in 2003, Pluto Tinker, which I think I won two matches or one. Uh, after I quit Magic and I come back, so I had a few things that I didn't have when I was playing before. Uh, when I was playing before, I was like junk and I have less experience in games because Magic was pretty much the first game I played a lot. I started playing back in my local events in Valencia uh, with like legacy games, legacy local tournaments, like local game stores. Yes. So I was playing like small tournaments and I just started to feel like I wanted to play GPs again, like GPs, PTQs. Like I remember the PT as like the coolest thing ever. Like PTs are super fun. Like they are such an unique experience that even after playing like big tournaments of Hearthstone or poker, all I could feel was like they are similar to PT, but a little bit less special. So I definitely get got to a point where I just try to, to qualify back to the PT. Uh, well, that's something I still remember. Like I remember realizing like how qualifying for a PT, how hard it was. Like it was super hard. I started playing a little bit more, driving to PTQs, flying to UPs, you know, going level four, eventually getting some buys after playing enough <laughs> so yeah no i i like i can sometimes people now talk with me and they're like oh you don't know how hard to qualify for the pt uh, trust me i know how hard it is to qualify like i don't know if now it's harder than before but assuming it's like somewhat similar i know it's super hard like even if you are like good enough it's still super hard so there's a saying i, I used to hear in poker which is like the bankroll grows a uh, different pace and skill like, I think the best way to do so, like, in Magic, like, to apply that is, like, you probably have to target to become good enough, because if you are good enough, then you're likely eventually going to qualify. But if the goal is, like, only qualifying, it's, like, can lead to frustration, because you might just try to focus too much and not in the correct thing. Like, even if the final goal is to qualify because you want a lot of experience, probably, in my opinion, the best way to get there is just, like, to become good enough. So that's not like that unlikely. That's the, the path I decide I should take. So I started playing um, more Magic. Uh, for me, a big change f- from the, my previous Magic moments was like having played poker a lot made me much easier to like understand the game. Every complicated situation where, I w- where, where as a kid, I would just don't know what to do. After playing poker, I would be like more inclined to think situation through and be able to figure out what to do like i mean obviously i will get a lot of the call a lot of the calls wrong but i think like being used to think a lot about games also helped me that way hearthstone too like hearthstone is a game where you have to think a lot of things in the same time so that was very useful for me when i went play magic and well after that i just started playing more tournaments and i finally qualified to the pt um uh, the paris i don't remember which year was that i think 2014 and then after that, I managed to qualify for every PT after, but like without a slot, qualifying the PTQ, online PTQ, like every single way to qualify, I think I got there. <laughs> like just in the last moment to get to the next PT. <laughs> so I right, think but that's like, what you have to do, right? You you have to take as as many shots as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very important thing. Like because be, being much better on a PTQ field where you're playing like against 200 players that are like most of them are quite good anyway. Like, if you are very good instead of good, maybe you have, like, I don't know, 3%, 2% instead of 1%. So it's still, like, you need to get lucky there. Like, sure, 3% is a lot more than 1%, or 5% is a lot more than 1%. But it's still a low percent. So I think you really need to take all the shots you, you can, as you said. I mean, I did that, like, every single 
chance I could take, I will take it. Every single GP I could like reasonable fly to, I go every single online PTQ I could play, I go like every single shot I could take, I take, I took like every single one. Like maybe before you qualify or you might decide that it's not worth because you know it takes some effort to play all this all these tournaments, like some sacrifices because if you're playing there those tournaments you are not doing other stuff. But I think, like, you, if you qualify to the first PT and you're like have the chance to play another one, I think that's a moment where it's good to like you know put the gas and try to play everything. That's that's what I, that's what I did for sure. All the online PTQs every weekend. <laughs> so you you had this immense drive to qualify, and then did the goalpost shift at all once you did qualify? Was it just like I you just wanted to qualify for every one, I guess, and that was the the constant throughout everything or so for me it was like the goal like like i wanted to leave this experience as much times as i could like because pts are super special to me i just enjoy them like it doesn't matter if i get there and go seal three that's fine if i go seal three the first thing i want to do when i get home is qualify for the next like every single <laughs> pt like every single pt when i come back i thought wow another one come on ptq and i mean i remember like one the i think it was pt off the weight watch I got eliminated so fast. Like, I think I went 0-5 or 0-4. So I got in time to play the PTQ that day, like in the hotel. I just run to the <laughs> hotel and play PTQ. I just wanted to live the experience. I just think the Magic lifestyle is like like super good, the best. So I just wanted to live that experience and keep living that experience because I just was enjoying my time so much. Well, you're basically set up now, man. <laughs> yes. I, I, think you'll, I think you'll be here for a while. Well, I mean, I, I hope so. Like, I don't have any plan to quit this soon. So, yeah, I think you're gonna hear, uh, you're gonna see me a lot. Awesome. So, uh, you have various ties to the Latin America and Asian Pacific communities, uh, as well as your home country of Spain. Like I said, seventy percent of our, our audience is from North America, and can you kind of like educate those folks on what the difference is between these regions? Like, what what difficulties do these folks face how has that changed over the years and like what your experience has been well my first experience and the one that impressed me the most is like how different different they are like people from latin is very different from people from apac like different cultures um different like way of understanding the games and the testings so like for me it's obviously like more natural to understand the latin people because spain has obviously like latin roots so the first group, after I think two PTs or something like that, for my third PT, which was Kaladesh, I think, I um, I played and tested and met a lot of like Latin people, Brazil, a lot of Brazilian people playing Brazilian players. So that was my first time like actually staying and testing with people from the outside. I don't know if... It, so the first time I realized there was the Brazilian were super loud people compared to Spanish people. <laughs> <laughs> so... The community is there. Like, I haven't been in Brazil ever. Um, I haven't actually been in Latin America. But I, I, from what I know from them, it's probably like they have a lot of travels with um, English a lot of time. I can remember the first time I uh, was there in the house. I don't know, maybe we were like 20 people. So maybe seven or eight of them. Like, they didn't speak English much. Like, we will communicate better speaking, like, me Spanish and they speaking Portuguese which is not very easy to do. I mean, I don't know if, like, you guys have in English something like that, like a language you can almost talk, but you cannot really talk the same language. But, uh, yeah. Not really. I mean, there are there's 
different like regional slang type of things, but it, it's it's all English for us. So yeah, I mean, it, I imagine it is way more difficult for you guys. Yeah, it's it's uh, very difficult. I mean, they, they can sometimes get something, but it's it's very hard for like people from there to like get access to all the content. Like that's also something that happens in, in Spain and APAC to less extent, I think. I'm not really sure like the, the English level because obviously the people you learn from a testing team and a PT is going to have much better English than the people in actually in there. But I think not having like English on a decent level makes you like, so it's much harder to have access to like the best quality content. Like I think the most best quality content is made in English. All the ICC channel five sites, they have all the good articles from the best players, and they they just are in English. So if you cannot listen to podcasts, watch videos, read articles, it's much worse from you. And it's harder for you to get there. I think that applies to like all this, all the places. I mean, it probably applies to all the places where people doesn't actually have a good level of English. I think the the biggest difference I felt from like the Latin Latin communities and the APEC team is like. So the APEC people is more like focus on, I don't want to say like tears testing. Like, so when we are there, we are like testing. Okay. Like the, the house is like, everything is on their place. Everyone is testing and everyone is doing everything in order and nothing is loud. When we got the house, we just take out the shoes, leave the shoes in the, in the door and play magic. With the Latins, it's much different. It's like, you probably can hear them for like, you know, the outside, like you're on the street, you turn the corner and you don't have to, to review, which you can hear them. You can, I, I, that actually happened a few times. I get into the house last in the PT and then, you know, I, I knew which house was because I could just hear the screams from like a few uh, meters away. And it's much more like, it's not exactly casual, but it's more like playing random games with like open, in the middle of the testing session, maybe open some boosters and play some, you know, like master games. Uh, These games, like you open the booster and you play the, the game with the booster. What's the name for that? Yeah, like Pack Wars or... Are, yeah, Pack Wars, are, yeah. So this are, you guys, Pack Wars. are you guys doing like PyGao yet? Are you addicted to that? No, 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 I'm not. Like I, I'm testing nowadays with the Epic community, so no. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> so, so like there's a lot of stuff like that. Apoc sounds like all business and the Latin America folks sound like they, they have fun with it. Yeah, that, that's at least what it looks, especially from the outside. Like after you are in there, you realize like the Latin guys are actually taking it very seriously. It's just like their way of taking it very seriously is like that. Like if they are like, I remember in the team, like being told that in the team series finals against the Ultra World, inside the testing uh, time for the Ravnica Sealed, they were playing this pack wars a little bit, right? They were having fun and they were playing like, they play like pack wars multiplayer. So they play multiplayer pack wars okay. and they like make alliance. They just call it like Game of Thrones and they just... <laughs> oh, I'm not going to attack you. And then the other guy attacks his hand, and you know, so that's how they play. And that doesn't mean they are not taking it very serious. It's just the way of like enjoying the lifestyle. There's the way of enjoying that, but they still take very serious. And um, the same goes by the way around, like other way around, but APAC. They're like more, like less noisy, <laughs> like they scream less, but they are also like having a lot of fun. And there's a lot, lots, a lot of jokes and there's a lot, a lot of fun anyway, but it's done in a different way. But that's something I've learned, just being being with these two kind of people. Like being serious doesn't mean you don't have fun, or having fun doesn't mean you are not taking it serious. That's the the, the thing I get from these experiences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, which which one do you prefer? I don't know. Like this is, I just like I feel I fall in the middle. 
I do enjoy the both styles. Like I can be like with both uh, kind of groups because I enjoy being serious about the preparation of tournaments. Like I think it's to me it's very it's a part of the enjoyment, right? Like sitting down and just try to break things. But at the same time, I also enjoy like doing stupid things, like like playing yeah, like playing Game of Thrones back wars between lunch because I think it's a good time to do so. So I don't really know. Like I think these two years I've been working with APAC, and well, I mean those guys have helped me a lot. Like every single of them have made me better player for sure. And uh, I'm really I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm playing with them for next PT as well, but I, I mean I, I don't know the future. But yeah, I will say like so far for me, APAC preparation has helped me the most. Cool. To be fair. So I associate you with blue cards. And a lot of this has to do with your legacy history, I think. But you made two pretty insane back-to-back worlds runs with red decks. So now I feel like you're kind of getting this this new reputation as being a red deck master. Like, are you okay with this? Or like, I know that whenever you play modern, you're you're pretty likely to play Jeskai or Blue White Control. But is there anything that you'd be or you'd prefer to be known for? Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's funny because I sort of see myself as a black player, like Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> None of the above. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, like I see myself playing Magic. I'm like, okay, Nazis, Tarmogoyf. <laughs> so yeah, I don't really care that much. Like I just play to enjoy the game. But I, th- I do think that aggro decks are usually underrated when it comes down to like like decisions, like play skill or whatever like it's called. I think the decks are sometimes underrated. And I have to say that I really enjoyed playing the red decks last year, especially the the first one, Ramen Up one. So yeah, I mean, I don't mind being called uh, Red Mage. I'm fine. I mean, when I play the Sky Control, I'm just very aggressive with the Bolt anyway, so I'm like, okay. playing a slow burn deck. So. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm like a red player, but yeah, I'm happy that at least now I can play those decks well because when I was playing Magic before, I definitely, as you said, I was playing blue most of the time, and when I was playing Legacy, I was always playing blue. So it took me a little bit of like effort to be able to play aggro well. I think aggro decks are actually very hard to play. Like when I play Control against aggro, I think the aggro part is often harder because you have less information. Like you have to decide things before they happen. But when I'm on the control side, I don't know. When I play the sky. I feel it's much easier to play than if I play Affinity or even Humans because I need to play around what they might do. Whereas if I play Sky, I need to play around what they have done already. So I have all the information. I, I agree 100% with you, Javi. I have the exact same experience. And if you hand me a control deck I'm unfamiliar with and hand me a deck like, say, Red Black that you used at Worlds and and I pick that up, I'm I'm inclined to grab the control deck every time and I find I understand it so much faster for exactly the reason you're saying. It's it's reacting to your opponent as opposed to asserting the game plan. And I, I do feel like you're often making decisions with more information on the control side. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think playing Hearthstone helped with playing these aggressive decks? I will say so. Yeah, uh, in Hearthstone, I've, the, the same kind of perception was true too. Like the aggro decks were called like to be like super simple and super easy and the control decks were like super hard. And I always found Hunter, which is like the equivalence of like the Hunter is like a monorate burn in modern in magic. So I, I felt like Hunter, also known as the burn deck in Hearthstone, was super hard. 
like I felt it was super complex because you had to play well to make sure you do every single damage, and it was very hard to play around all the creatures the opponent might play. So yeah, I think learning how to play Hunter helped me a lot for playing Moderate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I never thought that this way, but yes. <laughs> Hunter is probably my least played class, basically because of what you're saying. Like, I do think it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, no, no. I, I think a lot of people didn't play Hunter because I, they thought it was like too simple. But there's also the other specter. But <laughs> it's so hard. There's so much math. I, yes. I, I definitely agree with you. I, I think it's much easier to just react to what your opponent has done. And I think you put it really well. Where I, I don't think I've seen it phrased exactly like that. Where the aggressive decks have to play around things that might happen, whereas the control deck reacts to what has already happened. And I think that's just a, a beautiful way of putting it. So before uh, the world's runs and the PT Rivals top eight and everything, you had two ninth place finishes at Pro Tours. And I, I feel like this happens a lot where once you get over that hump, it becomes so much easier to succeed and you just kind of like went off in the last year. And maybe it's, you know, you've been playing a lot of magic. You've been playing really well. You've been actively focusing on, on learning and stuff, but do you feel like once you got over that slump, it was a lot easier to succeed? Like was, was your mind in uh, a different place before and, and now it's not, or what happened? I think the fast answer is yes. Uh, I think two things happens for that. Two things happened for that. The first thing is that when I was playing on the later stages of PTB WoW, I was uh, less nervous than I was like in PTR for the station when I was like in the same situation. I think I was like 12 and 2 or something like that. No, 11. 11 2 or 11 3. So yeah, I was like uh, less nervous. I mean, I got there, which was mainly because I had a good run in the table. So I don't really know if that had a lot to do. But definitely my mind state was much better. But I don't really know how much it's because World's Top 4. A mind game, like the mind, the how I approach the mind state of the game, it's been something, uh, has been something I've worked a lot this year. Like I think it's something uh, a lot of Magic players like me underrate a lot of the time. So I think that's uh, something that I really worked to change uh, this year. And I definitely felt it a lot, like both in the PT that going well, and even in GPs and even goals this year. I think after uh, the Worlds last year, everything has gone in, like much more smooth. I felt less pressure when I was playing there. Also, like because after the two nine finishes, you talk about every time I was getting next to it, it was like all the phantoms of the past. Like, oh, maybe I'm gonna be ninth again, or maybe I'm gonna, you know, <clears throat> lose again for the paid or whatever. After Worlds, I just stopped uh, having those feelings. So I think it's probably part because of that and part because I actively try to train myself to not think that way. Well, it's interesting because maybe this is just my experience, but uh, from Worlds, uh, not not this year that you won, but when you lost in the finals, it just seemed like you were kind of like a, a ball of nervous energy at least until you got to the table. And then once you were playing, it seemed like you were fine, but just everything leading up to it, it, it seemed like you were thinking about things a lot. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm just like a little bit of nervous, like very active player when I'm like not playing. But yeah, but I think thinking too much 
on all of those things is something I did in the past. Uh, that's something I do way less now. I almost don't do that now. Like sometimes people ask me, like, what were you thinking between uh, the semifinals and the finals and the last quarter? And I was like, nothing. I just sit down and play some backward with Luis and Manfield. <laughs> so, like I wasn't thinking about uh, about this kind of stuff. Like that's something I did previous year. Like I was thinking of you know how to pro the finals on the previous worlds. I think thinking too much before important matches is not very productive. So I just on purpose try to not to do now. Like I try to avoid think, thinking too much before playing. Yeah, staying in the moment is so vital in those situations. Being able to just focus on the task in front of you and play the match and not think about the consequences and oh, what happens if I fail here. I think it's something you have to experience before you can get over it. Like you have to have some setbacks, some failures, and then you can start formulating a plan to be like, okay, here's I'm go- how I'm going to approach this in the next instance, and I'll be ready for these emotions the next time they occur. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to be there because otherwise you won't know how to beat that, as you said. Like I think about this kind of mind game, psychology, whatever the words for that. So a lot of people can hear, uh, like can help you. Like you can read books or read articles or being listen to the head games podcast maybe also you know yeah like like you can get help but like no one can cross the bridge from you for you like they can tell you how to cross the bridge but you need to cross the bridge by yourself and you won't be able to cross the bridge until you actually see the bridge so it's a little bit awkward because chances are the first time you get there it's not gonna go go well for your mind game in my opinion that's at least has in my experience but I think what you said is very important. Whenever you're there and you like feel like you're being too nervous, just to make sure you learn from that situation so you can work on that situation specifically so it doesn't happen again because you can work around that. I think that's that's something. I mean, at least this has worked for me so far. There's always new situations, of course, but I think I've lost too many games in my life, Magic, for being nervous or thinking like, oh, I'm at lose and... You know, like, and then you play the game and then you miss a line. And then you realize, like, maybe you missed the line because you were, you know, like, too busy thinking, if I lose this game, I'm out of the pain. It kind of applies to PTQs or, like, pretty much you all. doesn't really matter if it's, like, your PTQ final or your FNM final. As long as it's important for you, it's important for your mind. Right, right. And I, I had thought I had moved past those nerves via playing poker. And I'm sure maybe you had a little bit of this as well. You're like, well, I've learned to master this as part of my poker game. And, you know, I've, I've kind of got this under wraps. I don't think it's really going to affect me when it comes to magic. And then I was in range of my first Pro Tour top eight, and that went completely out the window. And my nerves were right back to like when I was a teenager playing my first big poker tournaments. And there was something more pronounced and different experiences that I wasn't anticipating. Because like you said, it meant so much to me. It wasn't about the actual situation. It was just like how much you care about the outcome, which is able to take control of the situation and impede your progress. And I I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, I think to me, the word I will use for that, it's it's very humbling. Yeah. After poker and stuff, you're like, nah, I mean, I'm going to get nervous. Like I'm used to playing like, come on. And then you're there and then, yeah, like you said, you're a teenager nervous like <laughs> i remember playing like when i was playing for my first dp top eight i was super nervous like super super nervous i just couldn't even believe how nervous i was and yeah it was super humbling i think uh this kind of magic games they are so unique that these make you set you back to wherever you were before like everything else you played it's just magic right. no, nothing prepares you for that i think right 
I think this goes hand in hand with you talking about taking as many shots as you possibly could, like both to get on the pro tour and stay on the pro tour. And then also you just inevitably end up getting more pro tour experience too. And you are, you are very, very good. And you find yourself in these situations where you're 11 and two, 12 and two constantly. And you just need to put yourself through that enough times until you get used to it. Yeah, I think that that's true too, but that also opens the window to like, if you go 10 and two, two times in a row or three times in a row, you have to make sure the third time you are not like, uh, you don't have to fall in the trap of thinking about that again. Because like, chances are uh, the world around you is going to be like thinking like that. Like, wow, you're looking at it again. Good luck. Close the deal. Whatever. So you have to, I mean, getting there more times obviously makes it better because you get trained about it. But there's also the downside is that if you lose too many times there, it's like, I don't know, anyone, everyone knows someone that has lost six PTQ finals. I mean, now I know a few people like that. Like, I haven't got a PT, but I haven't got to the PT, but I lost five PTQ finals. When the guy there gets to the six PTQ final, he's got a lot of pressure. So I think that's uh, very uh, dangerous. It's very important to try to avoid that trap. So right now, uh, what what are you doing professionally? Are, are you just playing Magic and writing articles for Haruya? Yeah, Magic is my uh, my occupation. I just do Magic and try to play some tennis and do some gym. But yeah, mostly Magic and when I can, cooking. Sometimes. Okay. Full-time Magic player. Yeah, that's it. Is there going to be any like hashtag Javier cuisine? Is that a thing yet? Uh, not really. I don't cook that well. Like I have started. <laughs> like no, no. I I would like it from Engel. He doesn't complain when I cook though, so that's something. Okay, no, that's good. Uh, so how how is working for Haruya? Because Saito is doing some pretty incredible things. I like, he's sponsoring a uh, a bunch of different players, including a lot of the Haruya hopes, right? And I think that that's super important for these up and coming competitive Magic players and. He just he seems to be gathering like all of the best magic pros and getting them to write articles for his website and everything and promote his brand and it just seems really awesome. So I'm very happy of working with Haruya. Like they are uh, very kind people to work with. Like sometimes when you work with uh, a company, if the company's big, it's a little bit uh, less friendly in some ways. But I'm very happy to be part of that project. I- I'm also happy that I'm able to. Uh, have articles there because writing articles is something I really like to do. Obviously, it takes me a while to put together an article in English, but I I'm, I feel like lucky that I have the opportunity to like share things I, I like about Magic and tell about my tournaments and tell about the content in Haruya website. So yeah, I'm definitely happy. With the whole thing. Have you made content in Spanish in the past? Because you were talking about how all the best content is in English and how difficult that can be. I mean. Have, have you taken any steps to try and rectify that? Yeah, I, I wrote uh, for a while for the Spanish wizard side. And before that, when I was coming back to Magic, I grew out a few articles for a few stores in Spain, but nothing like... I, I grew out for wizards for some months, but besides that, nothing regularly. Nothing like I will do an article each week or something. No, that didn't happen yet. Well, I highly recommend podcasting. I don't know what the, the podcast scene is like in Spain, or anything, but it seems like, you know, talking about magic is fun. And that's primarily why Brian and I are here. And it is cool to be able to talk about the thing that you love and share with other people. And I think that that could be a 
potential thing to help people in Spain? Yeah, actually, I'm seriously considering podcasting. There's not so much things going around from the Spanish magic podcast. There's the Salseo one, which is like, I think the biggest one in Spain. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely considering podcasting. I actually did some uh, software testing last week because I might start podcasting after this PT. That's something I haven't like decided yet completely. I think I might start you know, just to try how it feels and see how it goes. Like a Spanish magic podcast. And yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I would say like a very high amount of that expression comes from you guys. So. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know. I We, we started this uh, just kind of for fun, you know, and it very quickly blew up and just became this thing that people really enjoy and really like listening to. And I mean, even, even people like you are, are listening to us and you know, you're the world champion and everything like it's just awesome to me. And it shows me that there are a lot of people out there that want different ways to consume magic content. And especially for the, the troubles of folks who don't have English as their first language. I mean, I, I think it would be incredible to actually, you know, try and rectify that a little bit. Yeah, I, I will. I, I will let you know. I don't know if you speak Spanish. <laughs> I took I took four years of Spanish in high school, and I basically don't remember any of it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that happens a lot. Like, I ask people, like, do you speak Spanish? And they're like, yeah, I did like six years, but I just know how to say hola. Okay, well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the the American version of teaching a foreign language is like very surface level and tends not to stick with us after we finish it. Like, I, I took French for four years in high school, and know very, very little of it. I certainly couldn't conduct a conversation in French. It's funny how uh, I think our lazy Americanness shines through and we're like, well, most people speak, speak English. We'll figure it out down the road and don't really make a concerted effort. And I really regret that. I wish I had more language fluency and was able to communicate with a, a wider swath of people for sure. Me too. Well, if, if you need any help setting up the podcast or getting some motivation or whatever, just let me know because we would be happy to help. Absolutely. Hey, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, what's what's your day to day like? I mean, how how much traveling are you trying to do, and how much magic are you playing? You talked about uh, playing tennis and going to the gym and cooking and stuff, but like, what else are you doing? So I I, I mostly have to to like speeds. Like one is like normal speed, and the other one is like tournament speed, which means before a PT or before like a world. Like before PT and before world, I just wake up, play magic, and sleep. You know, I'm doing okay. all, like the basics like eating in the middle, but when like the week before the PT or two weeks before the PT of Waltz, I just do magic like full time, like literally full time. But the rest of the time, I mostly like wake up like nine or 10, do breakfast. I usually consume content in the morning. I find it's the best uh, moment for me to like get knowledge. What something I do is not like I don't split the time, like I don't. Currently, the time I'm using a magic is playing, reviewing, watching videos, or reading. Like to me, it's all the same. It just works toward the same. Uh, Love it. The same direction. Yep. So I just like probably spend like eight hours, six six to eight hours per day on magic. Like usually three in the morning and four to five on the afternoon, maybe four to six. And then after that, I just like try to go to some workout or some tennis or sports. I also do the grocery. I like going to the supermarket in the morning where there's no one there and start drafting food. You know, like you first pick the apples. Okay, <laughs> I really like to do this kind of stuff. I just go to the 
all the stores to get like the egg store or the meat store, fish store. I like to go to the first stores to get the best the best piece of each thing. <laughs> so I, yeah, I like drafting food. And I just try to cook the food my best. Do you live in Valencia, Javier? Yeah, I'm living in Valencia. Okay. Which has a... I love Valencia. It's beautiful. It has a very good weather. Yeah. Also too. Yeah, like, I, I really enjoy living here because it's like a place that's not super big, like super large, but it's not a town. So like, you have, I have a decent airport, I have all the services, but I don't have like a big city like Madrid or Barcelona, which are right. the city here. So yeah, I'm just like, I live a very relaxed life. Like I don't do a lot of strange stuff. I just like play magic and do some sports, but I'm very happy that this way. Uh, I, so when, when there's not a tournament, like for, probably for winter break, I like to play video games. I used to play video games a little bit more before, but now I just try to... Like, I kind of schedule my video games, which is often after PTs. Like, after PT, then there's usually a GP. And after the GP, I usually take three or four days of, like, break, and I just play video games and do other stuff in those days. I like to take breaks a lot, like small breaks, like one or two-day breaks, just to keep the the head in, in its place. I think burning out is something, like, I really try to avoid because I, I I enjoy magic so much that I wouldn't like getting like I will hate getting to a point where I don't enjoy magic. I don't see it happening, but just in case, I think it's also healthy to take a small break once in a while. Yeah, like, I think that's I think that's smart. Uh, they also like short breaks. So sometimes I'm gonna I'm like you know I'm gonna take a small break and then I take one day and then after that I just want to play more magic. But that's fine because that's me wanting to play. That's not me being like I have to play. So I cannot take it as a job, but it's a job where I can just work as much as I can. I mean, as much as I want and when I want. The thing is that I want to do it a lot of time, but it's not like I'm forcing myself. Like if someday I just don't feel like doing it, I just you know like take a break and that's fine. I like playing it so much that I'm not afraid of like not playing enough for a tournament or something. Okay. So what what kind of video games do you normally play? I kind of like like RPG games like action like fallout other scrolls like the the last one i'm um i've bought to play is the witcher which is like what i'm gonna play after the pt atlanta probably so yeah probably like adventure games that are like with a starting and an end i don't really like multi-game player like multi multiplayer games because they don't really end i treat these kind of games like as books i don't really read like um novels like storybooks lately but that's because for me these kind of games act as novels i like games with like a story so i want to play a character that has a story a development and then something happens by the game and then the game ends and that's it that's that's kind of, that kind of game yeah the last one i think i played was the fallout the last fallout fallout 4 i think it was you're gonna love the witcher like you've chosen very well for your next yeah, game yeah <laughs> i've told i've been told it's good so yeah <laughs> hopefully yeah I was going to say, you're in good company, man, because uh, Brian and I are both RPG players. I don't think that we necessarily have the same taste or anything, but it is definitely the same genre for sure and for a lot of the reasons you described. Yep. I will, I will I, then I know who to ask for the next game after Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can talk. We'll talk. Good. So what are, your, what are your plans for next year? Uh, you have Team Series stuff locked in, I assume, and you know who you're testing with and everything, and... It's just going to be business as usual. Yeah, I'm gonna like. I don't really know what it's gonna be in the future, but like, yeah, for at least for the first PTs, I'm gonna test with the APEC team. My team series is um, Kowalski, Desani, Kelvin, Lishitian, 
and then with GME. So it's like pretty much a person for each country. So, but yeah, I mean, I just plan to do what I'm doing right now. Like, just keep doing my thing. I just enjoy playing play Magic, enjoy what I'm doing, enjoy the lifestyle. So as soon as I keep enjoying this way, I just don't really think I should change everything. I, I mean, anything. Like, I don't think winning a tournament should change how I'm living. So I'm definitely not changing how I approach, like, tournaments, GPs, and this stuff because of that. Like, I, there's a GP this weekend, and I'm just testing for it. The same way I would ask... I, I wasn't qualified for the PT, so I'm just going to keep trying my best in every single tournament I go, trying to have fun. Yeah, that's a plan. I think it's a solid plan, though. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, it, it basically just sounds like you have it all figured out, you know? Like, you're you're doing the right amount of everything to keep you happy and making sure that you're taking breaks and having variety and everything, and I think that's all really good, and I'm glad that it's working out for you. Yeah, thank you. I think... Being happy is, I, I mean, overall, like it's one of the most important things in life. So I think making sure what you do makes you happy, and the, especially the way you do, it, because sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it feels like I'm doing this, but I'm not happy because of some other things. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, I think I think I'm, I'm very happy how life is going on lately for sure. I love it, man. Uh, again, congratulations. Uh, world champion might not have been like, you know, what you set out to achieve or anything, but I am very happy and proud that you are a world champion. And it's just the beginning, man. Like you are definitely just never going to finish ninth again. There are going to be many more pro tour top eights. (laughs) I'm sure you're going to love magic and enjoy playing it for a long time. Assuming the hall of fame still exists. Like you'll be in there for sure. Thank you very much to both of you for inviting me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And if you have any question, if anyone has a question, I just you know I'm there from Twitter, follow yet. So yeah, and thanks thanks for your kind words. I I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, thanks thanks for spending time with us on our monumental 100th episode. And and since you are a listener to the podcast, do you want to sign us out? I. Uh, yeah. You, you you just say that's game and however you want. Yeah. You could say it in Spanish if you want. We don't care. It's up to you. <laughs> that's game. <laughs> y eso es partida. <laughs> Good luck.